I've made tick sprays, I've made dog shampoos, and all kinds of things. So when you're mixing them with quality carriers, then a small amount of oil will go a long way. Cost-wise, it saves all kinds of money. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on this special wellness edition of Dog Words, wellness advocate Stacy Case offers insight on using essential oils on your dog. The health benefits of having a dog are in the news, and we tackle the cold weather in tips and tricks, because in Kansas City, I don't think winter is quite over yet. In each episode of Dog Words, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love this podcast. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Use your favorite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. And please, check out the archived episodes. Here's an update on Shep's Place Senior Dog Sanctuary from episode 0103 of Dog Words. Shep's Place has added several volunteer orientations to their schedule. Like Shep's Place on Facebook to see the orientation schedule or email info at shepsplace.org. That's I-N-F-O at S-H-E-P-S-P-L-A-C-E dot org. Info at shepsplace.org. And check out episode 0103 for our interview with Shep's Place founder and operator, Russell Clothier. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Here's what's in the news for this wellness episode of Dog Words. In Southern Living, Zoe Denenberg highlights studies that find growing up with a dog can improve children's health and happiness. Dogs are highly affectionate creatures. They develop deep attachments with their owners, often teaching us more about companionship and love than we ever could have expected. But dogs show a special attachment to children, famously going the extra mile to protect them at all costs. And now, research suggests that growing up with a dog can have a tangible, positive impact on children's health and happiness. According to a study conducted by the American Academy of Pediatrics, children living in homes with dogs and cats are healthier on multiple accounts. Children with early dog contact seem to have fewer respiratory infectious symptoms and diseases, especially ear infections and needed a shorter course of antibiotics. Coexisting with dogs seemed to give children stronger resistance to infections, and a similar result was found with household cats as well. Cat ownership also showed a positive effect on infants, but not as strong as dogs. Similarly, research by the University of Wisconsin's Department of Pediatrics found that exposure to dogs in infancy, especially around the time of birth, can actually influence children's immune development and reduce the likelihood of certain allergic diseases, like eczema and asthma. In addition to physical health benefits, early socialization with dogs can help children learn about care and compassion, according to Gabrielle Feldman for the Drake Center for Veterinary Care. In a study by the American Humane Association on Pets in the Classroom, teachers consistently observed the development of sympathy, empathy, responsibility, compassion for living things, and loving caretaking in children's interactions with classroom pets. In terms of happiness and mental health, companion animals are believed to improve owners' emotional well-being and decrease the likelihood of stress and anxiety, even in children. 
A study by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention concluded that having a pet dog in the home was associated with a decreased probability of childhood anxiety. While these findings may warrant further investigation, they build a promising case for the positive impacts a dog can make even on the youngest owners. That's what's in the news. If you have a news story to share with our listeners, let us know on the podcast page at rosyfund.org. On today's episode of Dog Words, we're delighted to welcome Stacy Case to the studio. Hello, Stacy. Hi, Phil. Glad you could join us. Stacy is a massage therapist and wellness advocate. Right up front, let me plug your email address, which is ssyogagirl at yahoo.com. So if at any point during this interview you think, I'd like to talk to Stacy a little bit more about massage and essential oils for not just dogs, but humans, today's focus is going to be dogs, you can contact her at ssyogagirl at yahoo.com, and I'll give that email address out again later in the interview. Stacy, how long have you considered yourself a wellness advocate? I was thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing for today, and it's been almost 15 years, so 14, so I just kind of round that up. What brought you to essential oils? Gosh, I had been using doTERRA oils for maybe five, six years, and then decided when I started my own massage business out of the house that I wanted to start sharing those. So that would have been gosh, three, four years ago. So I've been been with doTERRA for a long time and have enjoyed that. And it was just kind of a natural pairing along with the massage therapy. I'm sure a lot of people are aware of the benefits of essential oils for humans, even if they don't know specifically what oil is used for what and the exact benefits. But it might not occur to people that other organisms like dogs can benefit from essential oils. Oh, absolutely. So um, I think what I was drawn to first with essential oils was just, like I said, kind of that calming aspect of them, the effect on the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, just to bring that down. And everybody knows about lavender and its help to calm the skin, um, calm, calm the system, aid in sleep and all that. Well, I'm sure um, a lot of people have used essential oils without even knowing it. They've gotten a massage therapy or been someplace that has a diffuser that's using essential oils and think, oh, I just feel better or this is calming or soothing. They perhaps are just associating it with a nice memory. Like you mentioned lavender. It's like, oh, I felt so relaxed the last time I was in a spa and smelled lavender. So I'm just revisiting that feeling, not realizing, no, there's actually a chemical interaction taking place with your brain helping you find that state. Right. It's a lot more powerful than we give it credit for. I think when we think of essential oils and aromatherapy, it's that relaxing aid. But in fact, like you referenced, it it makes chemical changes in the body. So it makes changes into your visceral system so that it's working the way it's supposed to work. The main function of an, an essential oil is to strengthen the organs and their functions and to act as a defense mechanism. So hugely impactful. I, I think where it came to the kind of the forefront of my mind is when a close um, family member was diagnosed with Lyme disease. It's crazy, but essential oils, 
is one of the the big go-tos for treatment for, for Lyme disease. I went to a lymphatic drainage class just recently and and he's and when the one of the cla- my classmates asked because they had a family member diagnosed with Lyme who had was having a real hard time. I mean, you can be bedridden for years with with this dang disease. And so she was looking for help and he said, "You know, when it comes to Lyme disease, it's all about herbs and essential oils." And I think he's right. I think, you know, they're hugely impactful. So I have a dog myself and and she got sick. And my first go-to was was the essential oils and the herbs. So yeah, I, I've I've found them very impactful in my life and and for all the members of my family, furry ones and and not so. Well, I won't judge the furriness of your your family members. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we'll not go down that rabbit hole. But before we get into more specifics on how you would use an essential oil mm-hmm. with a dog, what? exactly are essential oils? They're volatile, oily substances that come from plants, right? So they are a highly concentrated extract that contains hormones, vitamins, antibiotics, and antiseptics. I was reading one of my hippy-dippy books, and it refers to essential oils as kind of the essence of the plant, and I think that that's kind of right on. So how exactly do you get an essential oil from a plant? So they're going to be extracted in different ways depending on what part of the plant you're using because okay. um, oils can come from the roots, they can come from the leaves, they can come from the seeds, flowers, resins. And the, interesting, I, this is I think is just so crazy. So depending on where it comes from, it'll have a different action. For instance, the roots, the oils from the roots are going to be more grounding, which kind of makes sense, right? Um the leaves are going to have an affinity towards the respiratory system. So you can think of, say, peppermint or eucalyptus, and that makes sense. Oils that come from resins, which are kind of my favorite, if if I'm to have a favorite, but they're going to have an affinity for the glandular system. When you're impacting the glands of the body, the endocrine system, that is huge. You you can have impacts on every function that the body has. So how crazy is that? Well, what are the functions that it can impact on a dog? It's going to be the same with dogs. Cats are different. Um, cats basically... Just in general, cats are different. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> um but, you know, but cats don't, their systems don't process them the way that, that humans or dogs do. And so that um, some of the essential oils will be toxic to cats. So you've got to be really kind of wary of that. Um, but for dogs, very similar to people, except that dogs are a lot smaller. Dogs tend to be hairier, <laughs> and we won't yes. get back into that. You as know, a general rule. As a general <laughs> rule. That's something that you have to be mindful. And, and and the fact that, you know, dogs' noses are a lot better than ours, so they're going to be more sensitive. So you can use essential oils. There are certain essential oils you want to stay away from, but in general, you can use them similarly, just like you, you use them with humans. Do you have any tips for specific applications of essential oils with dogs? Generally with dogs, just using them when you're petting them 
is a great way to apply. So applying topically, you want to dilute, always dilute. That's the biggest point that I want everybody to kind of walk away from is you've got to always dilute your oils when you're using them with dogs. Better safe than sorry. Rather than using a lot of oils at once with a dog, you want to use them more frequently. If you've got an issue that is more severe in nature or whatever, and you and you really, this is kind of a, a big deal, then use it more more frequently, but don't overload the dog. Generally, you want to do that topically. You can put it in a diffuser, but if you do that, you don't want to do a small space. You don't want to have the door locked, so the dog needs to be able to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, if so don't she... put it on top of their kennel, or if they have a dog house, don't close them in there with a diffuser. Right, right. Thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, he's got a respiratory mm-hmm. um, issue, so let's... We'll immerse them. <laughs> right, in eucalyptus, and yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Well, you mentioned eucalyptus for some respiratory issue. What are some of the essential oils and specific issues that are addressed by them? There are a number of them. And I guess first, I'd want to say there are some specific oils that we want to stay away from. Okay. And so if you're thinking of treating, always just being aware of this. And first and foremost, if you know that it's a hot oil, then stay away from that. I've found out which ones were hot, but just... just what are some examples of hot oils, Stacey? <laughs> Cinnamon would be hot. Thyme would be hot. Cassia would be hot. Um, so if you're ingesting them, you'll certainly feel it. Oregano is going to be a hot oil, but also oils that are strong. So wintergreen, stay away from. Thyme, stay away from. Cassia, cinnamon, malaleuca, which is tea tree, and oregano. You also want to stay away from the oils with epileptic dogs and being cautious of young or old slash frail dogs. Puppies under 10 weeks, just being kind of conscientious about how much you're using. As far as the list of kind of my go-tos, Helichrysum is one of my very favorites. It's one of my very favorites to use on myself because it's anti-aging. Um, even though I'm only 22, I say that you don't you look a day over 10. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I love, and I love the smell of it, but, um, we used Helichrysum on my dog Coco. She had cut her foot pretty good one winter. It was, you know, there was ice under the, the snow and she'd cut it pretty good. And, and we used Helichrysum on the wound and, um, that helps from, helps prevent infection, and that worked really well. Lavender is always a really good one for dogs and for people, too, just because it's it's very gentle. When you think of lavender, you think of soothing. So, again, great for mood as well as skin. Um, so, so when you mention mood, that might be a good one for a dog that has separation anxiety absolutely. or you have a new dog and it's anxious about being in this new environment, perhaps... Some lavender. Right. Fireworks. They're going to be real calming, as would copaiba, which is a really interesting oil. It's been compared to like a CBD, but has no THC or anything in it. So it's great for anxiety, great for pain and inflammation. Another one of my very favorites for self or dogs would be frankincense, because frankincense was one of those go-to. If you've got an issue, 
it's going to help, <laughs> you know, so um, it's anti-inflammatory. It's been known to shrink tumors. Um, it's an anti-cancer. And when used with any other oil, it makes it more effective. So it's a wonderful go-to. You've mentioned several different kinds of essential oils. So whichever one you think you need or you've researched and determined you need, you can pick that up at your local grocery store or health market. That's a really good question because you see essential oils everywhere now. And so there are a variety of different options. Options are great to a certain extent. No, not all essential oils are created the same. So Yes, you can get it at a health food store, and you think the inclination would be to think that that's a high-quality oil. But when you think about oils, it's crazy. We've talked about how powerful they are. Within 22 seconds, they've reached your brain. So, you know, through the olfactory nerve, if you're using those aromatically, it has affected the limbic system within 22 seconds. Crazy. Within two minutes, it's in your bloodstream. Within 20 minutes, it's in every cell of your body. So you want to make sure that that oil is a good oil. The things that are going to affect that are going to be how powerful it is. If I'm, let's say I've got lavender, which I do in my garden, which is great. It smells wonderful. It's not going to be the same as lavender in a field in France, right? It's not going to be as powerful. It's not going to be as effective, aromatically, right? That's one of the considerations. The oils that you can get for $5, (laughs) they're not going to be sourced from the most powerful places. The other part of that is they're not going to necessarily be cut the same. And what I mean by that is, are they going to have fillers in them? I don't know about you, but that matters. If that's going to be in every cell of my body, I want to make sure that the things in that bottle are healthy for me. And that's not always the case. So I've done a fair amount of research about those oils and have looked at different companies. And I've come up with the fact that I think doTERRA is, for me, the best source for those. I know that they're coming from good fields. I know that there's no junk in them. And so I'm really satisfied with their oils and and the way that they source. I'm not going to ask you to rank since you've researched it, your top three or your top 10 companies beyond doTERRA, but it's probably a safe assumption that if it's cheap and it's on a grocery store shelf, it might not be the best quality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, my inclination is, you know, if I see it at a health food store that I trust and love, then it's probably a good one. That's not necessarily the truth. There are certain brands that I'd get my supplements from that I really, really love. But their focus is supplements, and it's not essential oils. So the quality is not the same. It's just just not the same. So don't cut corners. Don't be cheap. (laughs) Exactly. Don't take shortcuts. Absolutely. The other part of that is that doTERRA oils are not cheap. (laughs) They're not cheap, just like we referenced. But the thing is, You don't need much. For the average person, you're talking a drop or two. For a dog who's much smaller, a drop is plenty to use for them. And I've made tick sprays. I've made dog shampoos and all kinds of things. So when you're mixing them with quality, so, you know, oftentimes I'll use, say, coconut oil or I'll use witch hazel, depending on what I'm making, Castile soap. If you're using quality carriers, 
then a small amount of oil will go a long way. Cost-wise, it saves all kinds of money. And I know the quality. So when, yeah, when you uh, look at cost per serving, so to speak. Right. It's really not that expensive. No. Even if it's twice as expensive or three times as expensive as the cheap stuff at a grocery store, if this is going to last you for months. Right. Spend a couple extra bucks for your well-being. Yeah, it may be three times as much, but if you use one-tenth as much as of the oil, then um, drop for drop, it you know it, it makes a lot more sense. And it's so much fun creating those DIYs. Yeah, I love it. So there's lots of ways you can use essential oils for dogs. Is there anything you need to avoid in applying them? You said don't use too much. Is there any place you shouldn't put an essential oil on a dog? That's a good question. Yeah, you want to avoid the eyes the nose, anal and genital areas. And they talk about also just the pads of the feet. When you think about dogs, you walk your dog all the time. Their feet are going to absorb a lot of toxins. Just like with humans. Just like with humans. So most dogs don't wear wear shoes, so they're, they're susceptible. For, you know, the ice melt and all that that's out right now. You want to make sure that you're not kind of overwhelming. I guess kind of a rule system. of thumb is you mentioned that you found out a particular oil was hot. Right. And you could express that. <laughs> right. To, to others. A dog, you need to think can't. about where are their areas that are sensitive. Right. They can't tell you, and they might react negatively, but not all dogs do that. For instance, our dog Peaches, she'll let you do whatever you want to her. And I think if you were not careful, you could hurt her, and she would just put up with it. And Rosie was the same way. She was so tolerant. It's up to the human to exercise caution. Absolutely, and to pay attention, too. I know no matter how many times I tell my husband, okay, so watch the amount that you're putting on Coco, he doesn't always follow my instructions, which is which is strange. Um, because he does in every other case. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So why is this the exception? <laughs> absolutely. But if he puts too much of oil on her, you'll notice that she just starts licking and it bothers her. And mm-hmm. you can tell that it bothers her. So you need to pay attention to kind of any signs that they're not loving it, you know? So err on the side of caution. Absolutely. Always. Well, earlier you had mentioned that you treated a cut on Coco's foot with essential oils. How is that different from what you're saying about be careful about putting it on a dog's feet? That's a good question. Yes. So Coco had an issue on her foot. She had a cut on her foot. It was not on the pad of her foot. There's a distinction there. The pads of the feet are going to be more sensitive than between the pads. But it also was an injury that needed to be treated as opposed to an everyday, let's say, I want to work on Coco's anxiety. I'm not going to treat her feet for that because her feet are going to be more sensitive, right? And I'm not going to treat it for an extended period of time. So just being aware that, hey, you know, their feet are going to be more sensitive monitoring the time that that you utilize the oils. In addition, just kind of being aware, hey, are they going to be outside and salt and and things that are also going to be sensitive to and and, and monitoring that. I feel like we've raised awareness on this issue, but probably someone who is not already using essential oils might be overwhelmed by this. Someone who is using essential oils on themselves, this may be eye-opening that, oh yeah, I can use it for my dogs as well, and they will proceed appropriately. But for someone who needs more guidance or just has questions, not just on essential oils, but perhaps on 
your massage therapy services. Again, they can contact you at ssyogagirl at yahoo.com, correct? That is it. Absolutely. That's pretty simple. Anything else you want to share with our listeners today, Stacey? No, I just, I hope that people give it a chance. It really is a wonderful, powerful tool to have at your disposal. So I think we're all um, very anxious to take care of our pets just like they are our, our children. Sometimes rather than rushing them to the vet, there are things that we can do at home that are affordable and can really, really, really help. So I'm anxious to, to share that. To help people get started using essential oils with their dogs, what we'll do at Rosie Fund is send you the recipe for the shampoo that we use with peaches. Just email us, rosiefund at gmail.com, and we'll send you the essential oils shampoo recipe. That's rosiefund at gmail.com. Whether you're already using essential oils or this would just be dipping your toe in the essential oils pool, so to speak, the recipe is fairly straightforward, something you can put together at home. Stacy Case, thank you again for joining us on Dog Words. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. On this wellness episode of Dog Words, here are some tips for walking your dog in the cold from Brandy Arnold at DoggingtonPost.com. Every dog is different, but even if your dog loves being outside in winter weather and temperatures aren't too dangerously low to allow for a quick walk, dog owners should still follow a few simple precautions to stay safe. First, bundle up. Whether it's 60 degrees or minus 6, make sure you're appropriately dressed for your own safety and that of your dog as well. Wear comfortable shoes that won't slip and slide on ice and snow, especially if your dog tends to pull. Keep hands warm with mittens or gloves so that you don't lose your grip on the leash. Remember, to best protect your dog during harsh winter weather, you'll need to keep yourself protected too. Second, bundle up your dog. Although some breeds, like Alaskan Malamutes, Huskies, and St. Bernards, are perfectly suited to venture out into the cold au naturel, many dogs will be safer and more comfortable with a coat or sweater to protect them from the elements. Aside from small dogs and dogs with short hair, those that are very young, very old, or with any illness or physical disability that would limit their ability to keep themselves warm, should bundle up before heading outside in the cold. If the air is cold but dry, you might opt for a cozy sweater. Or if it's rainy or snowy out, a rain slicker or water-resistant coat would be a better choice. Anyone who follows Rosie Fund on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube has seen Peach's stylish and extensive wardrobe. Third, protect the paws. Dogs' paws are pretty amazing, but they aren't immune to the blistering cold, and they must be protected from potential dangers like ice, snow, salt, ice-melting chemicals, and sharp objects hidden beneath the snow, as demonstrated by the cut suffered by Stacy's dog, Coco. If your dog will tolerate them, and it may take some training, the very best winter walking defense is a set of water-resistant dog booties. But some dogs simply flat-out refuse to wear their shoes. For those that won't wear booties, use a paw protectant for those precious paws. And when you return from your walk, give those paws a good washing to remove any ice or snow that may have built up between toes and to rinse away any salts or toxic chemicals that may have been stepped in. We have a towel and a tub of baby wipes for peaches. Fourth, always use a leash. Even if your dog is 100% trustworthy and has never run off, do not attempt to walk your dog in winter weather without a leash. Ice and snow on the ground can make it difficult for a lost dog to find their way back home. And limited visibility can make it difficult for others to see you. Fifth, avoid potential dangers. 
Stay away from ponds, even when they appear completely frozen solid. Follow paths and sidewalks that you're familiar with, as snow cover may hide uneven walkways, tree limbs, or sharp objects that could injure you or your dog. Avoid driveways where antifreeze may have dripped. Stay clear of freshly salted or de-iced roads, especially if your dog isn't wearing protective booties, as salts and chemicals can be irritating to the skin at the very least, or life-threatening at most. Remember to use pet-safe ice melt on your driveway and sidewalks, and encourage surrounding neighbors to do the same. Maybe even offer to buy a bag for them. And finally, listen to your dog. While some dogs may make it obvious when they're not interested in being out in the cold or snow, others may give more subtle signs that they're uncomfortable. If your dog appears to be shivering or shaking, gives any indication that they're afraid or hesitant, or tries to pull back toward your home, don't force the walk. Instead, go back home to warm up and exercise indoors. Here are tips for indoor activities to have fun, relieve boredom, and bond with your dog. 1. Run up and down the stairs. Simply stand at the top of the stairs and toss a toy down to the bottom. Modify this game for your dog's play style. If you have a dog that would leap to the bottom of the stairs without regard for any safety considerations, this is a teachable moment. Train them to go to the bottom of the stairs and wait for you to throw the toy. Then command them to bring it back to you at the top. Of course, you could get a little exercise yourself by also going up and down the stairs, but that's your call. Number two, build obstacle courses. Use household objects like couch cushions to build tunnels to navigate or set up a hula hoop to leap through. Create your own agility course. Three, find treats. Hide favorite treats around the house, underneath rugs, or behind doors. Don't always put them in the same place. Change it up. Keep it interesting. And number four, run on a treadmill. Anyone who's watched The Dog Whisperer has seen Cesar Milan use this approach with dogs to address a variety of issues. It's easy to find videos of this online to see how Cesar starts out at a slow speed to get a dog comfortable with the device and then uses treats or encouragement to keep them moving and even speeding up. There's lots of other indoor activities like tug-of-war and hide-and-seek. You can also use this time to work on skills like stay or advanced tricks like rolling over and backing up. Whether playing or training, always monitor your dog's behavior and demeanor. Don't let play become aggressive and don't stress your dog. Have fun and be safe. If you have any other tips for indoor exercise with your dog, let us know on the podcast page at rosyfund.org. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. I want to thank our guest, wellness advocate Stacy Case. For more information on essential oils for humans or dogs, or to find out more about her massage services, send Stacy an email at ssyogagirl at yahoo.com. That's two S's, ssyogagirl at yahoo.com. And again, if you want the recipe for the essential oils shampoo that we use with peaches, just email rosyfund at gmail.com. That's rosyfund at gmail.com for the essential oils shampoo recipe. I also want to thank alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's episode of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. When you visit rosyfund.org for more information about Rosie Fund, please click on the links for Facebook, Instagram, our free YouTube channel, and Amazon Smile, and check out the store in the Rosie Fund Town Square. Download and subscribe to Dog Words on your favorite podcast platform. And please, share this podcast. This helps us with sponsorships, and Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the website. 
and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words Podcast. Remember, we save each other.